When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to a long overdue edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. Not only am I with the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and Homewood, Illinois, and all sorts of other wonderful places, but we are mere days away from the start of Blackhawks training camp. Jay, how are you feeling my, this week, my friend? I am uh, excited and ready to go. It's been a long wait, and I, I think a lot of us were like, Yay, the Bears! And then the Bears got their hum- they didn't get their asses kicked, but they looked like crap on um, <laughs> on Thursday. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready for hockey because now I'm scared the Bears are going to suck, which they're not. But I'm, I'm just ready, man. And that we finally have, you know, it's been a while since you and I have spoken. With the, there hasn't been much going on. It's kind of the deadest period. But all of a sudden, there's some things to discuss. Brendan Perlini has a new deal. The Blackhawks uh, prospect tournament in Traverse City is underway. And there's some things to talk about there. And I wanted to talk to you about the NHL 20 uh, alumni team roster, which I found pretty hilarious. Um, So a lot of stuff to get to today. But yeah, man, hockey's close. They play a game. Most people are going to listen to this on Monday, even though we're recording Sunday night. They're going to play a week from Monday. 
which is crazy. They they yep. have a hockey game in a week. Three games in three days, as a matter of fact. They have road games in Washington and Detroit on back-to-back nights. Win, and win. then they come home and play a home game against the Wings. 3-0. 3-0, I predict, my friends. Yeah, and no, we no. get to see what personally is one of my favorite things about the preseason, and that is the unique font that the Detroit Red Wings <laughs> put on their nameplates for the preseason. I love that tradition. Yeah, what is the deal with that? Like, you do not deserve the arched letters. Only the truest Red Wings deserve the arched letters. You have to get the crappy block letters. And they kind of, like, sometimes they'll, like, bleed onto the jersey. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, like, dyed in Kool-Aid or what. But, yeah, they look like <laughs> ass. I don't know what the deal is, but they look like ass every year. Yeah, it is kind of strange. I've never really understood the reasoning behind the tradition. Perhaps only the reddest of red-ass Red Wings get the... Uh, <laughs> Nameplates with the proper uh, letterage. I'm not sure. But all I know is that every every year, whether you're a Pavel Datsuk or whether you're Joe Schmo, who's only there to fill a roster spot during training camp, you get the same exact weirdly fonted letters before you get the real deal. It's such a strange thing. And but, oh, that's another thing we can talk about. You've mentioned the reddest of Red Wings. One of those retired this week, so we could talk about that a little bit as well. But let's, let's start with the Brendan Perlini thing. I think that was sort of the story hanging over the offseason. Um, I think I said shortly after free agency started that they were looking to trade Perlini. That hadn't changed, but I think when you're looking at the landscape of the NHL right now, not a lot of teams looking to deal, not a lot of teams looking to take on restricted free agents. Look, there's already a lot of really good free agents unsigned, restricted free agents. So uh, they get him in one year deal, eight hundred and seventy four thousand one hundred and twenty five very specific dollars go to Brendan Perlini. And I don't know how you can be mad about that, whether you love Perlini or you're lukewarm on him. That's a really good deal for a guy who has proven he can score at this level. Yeah, I'm, uh, first of all, completely unsure of why the heck the number had to be that. Like, that was a really random specific number. Not really clear why it had to be that. It's not like the Blackhawks had to finagle him under the salary cap. Do have a salary cap nugget later, by the way, about another team, not the Blackhawks. Nuggets. We're teasing all sorts of stuff tonight, man. I love nuggets. Hopefully we get back to all of this. But anyway thought it was interesting um as for Perlini himself I mean this thing just kind of dragged on and on and it was one of those things that normally during the summer you kind of end up just you know coasting into training camp we all know there's going to be several prospects that could potentially make the team yada yada but just to have this like ongoing RFA drama seemed to be so completely meaningless and then for him to end up signing for this oddly specific number (laughs) it just it it feels kind of strange for a guy who realistically is probably what your 11th 12th best forward like would you put him kind of in that ballpark I mean he scored 12 goals in 46 games with the Hawks last season after they got him but realistically, is he really a half a point a game guy? Like, is he no. going to get to 42 or so points next season? I, I don't see it. Do you? I, I don't think, and especially not in the way the Hawks are going to use him. He's definitely going to be a bottom six guy, especially if Kirby Doc makes the team. That's going to take away any potential special teams play that Perlini would see in the in the small case that he might see some power play time. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, it's not a bad deal. It's it's cheap. You're right about the oddly specific 
125. I wonder if there's like a pair of Jordans he wanted that were like specifically $125. And he said, look, Stan, uh, I'll sign this, but I really want these shoes. And I want to tell my wife, you know, that 874 my is wife. very, my wife, it's very important to me to get more than $874,000. So that 125, that would really mean a lot. But now look, they're going to try to trade for Artemi Panarin at the deadline and be 125 bucks over the cap. Then what? Then what, Stan? Yeah, I mean, that's clearly where my brain was going with it, was that they wouldn't be able to make a big trade for, you know, Artemi Panarin. I'm sure that, what, seven-year deal that he got, I'm sure teams are going to be itching to take that off the Rangers. Well, you know what the best part about the Panarin deal is, is that we don't have to hear his name to the Blackhawks for another six years? Yeah, he'll be, what, like 35 when that contract ends? Isn't he, like, 28? Yeah, he's older than you think, older than he looks. He is a, he is not a young bread man. He is a bit crusty, if you will. <laughs> he is. He's sourdough, I guess you'd say. He certainly know. is not stale, however. I will not go that far. Nice. That was a nice play on the whole bread thing we were doing there. I like that. I like that very much. But um You know what it, it happened I assure you it uh, happened organically. <laughs> it it ro- it rose very easily. No, never all mind. right. We're not gonna get into that. Oh my god. Enough. <laughs> you have this joke is half baked at best. Zing. Okay, now everyone is tuned out, so we might as well just stop right now. Should we just end the podcast now because everyone's immediately turned it off and put on something else? Please tune into the I'm Fat Podcast, <laughs> hosted by Jay Zalowski, where that? he makes more food-related puns. New one of those dropping tomorrow, by the way, Monday. Monday or Tuesday, probably. Anyway. Jeez, I feel like you've done like 14 of those in the time since we've done our last uh, Madhouse podcast. Do we need to have a talk, Jay? Well, I'm starting to get paid for that one, so there's I have to do every other week to get paid by the score for it. Um, oh, so that's been part of it. it is. I see which uh, side of your bread is butter. Hey, man. It, oh, my God. Stop. So as soon as the Hawk season starts, so we're going to do like three or four of these a week with post-game shows and, you know, our weekly hour-long podcast anyway. So we're going to be busy. We'll be around. Now we've got stuff. Anyway, let's wrap about up. The, say, now we have content. To yeah, talk content. About. Finally. But the Perlini thing, uh, I, I'm for the number that it, that they signed him for. I think it's a no-brainer. Maybe he uh, becomes the guy he was you thought you were getting in the first place, the guy he was in Arizona, and uh, can be like a 20-goal guy. But we'll see. You can never have too many NHL-ready guys. And there's a lot of guys they brought in, like Kubalik and Anton Whedon and some other players of that caliber, who we don't really know what they're going to be. I think most people expect Kubalik to be pretty good, but we haven't seen him play at the NHL level yet. So it's difficult to predict. I think Perlini is a nice insurance policy and a guy who I would think on opening night will be in the starting lineup. I'd be surprised if not. Yeah, I mean, there, like you said, there is kind of a glut of forwards right now. There are a lot of very talented prospects that could potentially break camp with the Blackhawks. But if you want to talk about guys who are probably a little bit more of a sure thing, I would definitely think that Perlini kind of fits that bill. I would not be surprised to see guys like Kirby Doc get serious looks in the training camp. Your Dominic Kubelix, Brandon Hagel, who's looked pretty good up in the Traverse City tournament yeah. up there. Obviously, Alex Nylander. But like, yeah, I mean, we're... Those are going to be a lot of guys that are going to be competing for those back-end roster spots. And I would think, at least early on, like you said, Perlini's probably going to be a guy that holds on to one of those spots. But, boy, there are a lot of guys who are going to be gunning for that. Well, let's talk about the prospect tournament a little bit. And I know it's not easy to find. It's not easy to uh, watch the Red Wings when the Red Wings play will broadcast those games on their YouTube. So I was able to go and watch the Hawks play the Red Wings in the first game of the tournament. That game was won by the Hawks 6-5. 
overtime goal by Adam Boquist, assisted by Kirby Dock. Um, so I've got Get some used to hearing that a few times, Blackhawk fans. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, so just a couple things. You know, it's hard to. I don't know. The feed is weird. It's like really far away from the ice, so it's it's hard to really glean too much. But what you want to see in these games is your top prospects look like your top prospects, and that was absolutely the case um, for the Blackhawks. Kirby Doc and Adam Bolquist were the best for Detroit. Zadina was the best, and it wasn't really close. You can see why these guys are considered cornerstones of the franchise where a lot of the other guys are just sort of like also rans. Doc had right. a really nice breakaway goal. And like we've seen since the day the Hawks drafted him, every time he's been on the ice, he's shown the ability to stick handle in close and in traffic. And that was on display again in this prospects game. I cannot wait to see Doc up against NHL players at NHL speed to see how he handles it. He can dominate prospects. That is a given. We've seen it. We saw it at prospects camp. We're seeing it in the Travis city tournament, Traverse city tournament. He is a man among boys. Now I want to see him among men and I want to see how he looks. And the same thing goes for Adam Boquist, who I'm going to say he looks bored, but when I say bored, it doesn't mean disinterested. It just looks like he's not being challenged. He knows that he is a step above most guys on the ice in this tournament so he kind of he's taking chances he probably wouldn't in an NHL game. So he's maybe making mistakes he wouldn't make in an NHL game. I'm just chomping at the bit to see these guys get on the ice against NHL players because if they're anywhere close to what they're showing at these camps and these tournaments, they should both be on the team. Yeah, and I mean that's that that's something I keep coming back to. The more I've been thinking about the lead up to this season is exactly what you said. When Gerby Doc was at prospect camp earlier this summer, what did you notice? He was a step faster, a step bigger, a step everything ahead of everybody else that was on the ice with him. Really the only way that you're going to kind of push this kid's development forward, it seems like, at least to me, is unless he falls flat on his face in training camp and just cannot hang with these guys you got to have him up at the NHL level at least for nine games to see what he can do against some of these guys. I know, obviously, the preseason is going to give you a bit of a glimpse of this, but the reality is when you get into the nitty-gritty of the regular season, the the fact is, is that he needs this time to kind of develop his game, to hone it, and to see if it can hold up against that NHL scrutiny. And everything we've seen in terms of his skill set, his size, seems to indicate to me that there is going to be a period of adjustment, but this kid's body is NHL ready. It seems like his attitude is NHL ready. And if I have any sense of what he's going to be as a player, I think that that adjustment period is not going to be as drastic as we think it's going to be. And I think that he could end up having a productive rookie season in the NHL if the Blackhawks end up starting him at this level. Well, and here's the thing. And a lot of people say like, well, you know, his making the team probably depends on what role the Blackhawks are going to use him in. Why? Why does it matter? He's not going to be your number one center. Jonathan Taves is still here and is going to be here for the foreseeable future. Dylan Strom established himself as a really solid number two center last year. Okay, I guess you say your third line is like, quote unquote, historically, your checking line. So maybe you don't want him in like key defensive situations. But if you're telling me he's not one of your four best centers right now, you're crazy. I'm sorry. And put him in the lineup. And if he struggles, he struggles. This team's not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. They're not. It's just not going to happen. And if they do make some noise and they do, you know, start to look like a competitive team, they're not going to do it with Zach Smith, 
or David Kampf as their third line center. That's not going to be the case. If they make some noise, Doc's going to be on the team. He's going to be part of why they're making that noise. And this same conversation can be said for Adam Boquist. The problem for Boquist is your top six is pretty locked in for the Hawks. And is Jeremy Cowden, if Adam Boquist comes out in training camp and blows the doors off of people and has an awesome preseason and lights up the preseason games, is he going to have the balls to bench a guy like Oli Mata or Connor Murphy or, God forbid, Brent Seabrook? Is he is Cowden going to have the nerve to do that if Adam Boquist earns a spot on his team? Because that's what he's going to have to do. Do you see a scenario in which the Blackhawks trade Eric Gustafson to clear a roster spot for Adam Boquist? He's got $1.2 million left on his deal this season. Obviously, I feel like he could help the Blackhawks, but I also feel like it's pretty obvious he's not going to be retained after this season based on the fact they're going to have to give out big yeah. money extensions, Talix to Brinkett, and presumably to Dylan Strom. I don't see there being any scenario in which the Blackhawks are going to keep Eric Gustafson beyond this season. Why not just trade him? clear the roster spot, get rid of the drama, and potentially get something back for him because I guarantee you there will be at least a team or two that's going to want to take a chance on this guy being the incredible power play quarterback that he is and just the offensive dynamo that he is. Well, that's actually a really good thought because I think having Boquist and Gustafson is a luxury. You probably don't need two guys who are offensively elite but defensively challenged. You probably don't need both those guys on the team at the same time. Um, if they are great, and maybe you tried out those first nine games like you talked about with Boquist to see what he can do, but again, if he shows he's ready and he shows he belongs, look, how big of a jump does Boquist have to make to be as good defensively as Gustafson? I don't think it's... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's about a credit card level, <laughs> right. like, vertical leap. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a, a leap to say, you know, maybe it's unrealistic to think that uh, Boquist is going to have, like, so what do you have? What did Gustafson have? Like 55 points, 56 points last year, whatever it was. It's probably not f- fair to expect that. But a guy who's going to be on your first unit of the power play, um, a guy who's going to be uh, offensive zone starts, all those things. Yeah, probably having both those guys is redundant and maybe a little bit risky. So, yeah, if Boquist shows he belongs and they can get something for Gustafson, I say go for it. It'd be great to have them both. But, again, you want to you wanna have – you want to get something for Gustafson while you can. You also don't want to, at the deadline, trade him if you're like close to a playoff spot because then if you have both guys on the team, you don't want to weaken the roster. So maybe doing it early and getting an NHL body back that can help or getting a higher draft pick, who knows? But yeah, that might be the most likely and easy-to-swallow scenario for the Hawks. Yeah, and I think that might be... That might also be part of the thing that kind of screws them on the uh, European aspect of this is that you have the one random game and then you have like several days off like the front end of the season's all discombobulated because you've got all that travel and stuff like I just the way I looked at it is he may have been a good candidate to trade during the offseason, but I also don't. Did we really know? like before prospect camp and before we've kind of been seeing him uh, play a little bit more regularly. Did we know the kind of the jump that Adam Boquist had made? I think we had an idea, but it's been really apparent in these opportunities that he's had to showcase his skills lately. So maybe 
this is the best case scenario for the Blackhawks is that they kind of had to wait for this to kind of come around before they could even consider potentially trading Eric Gustafson. And obviously they may want to hold on to him just in case there's some injury concerns. Obviously you do have eight NHL defensemen on this roster right now, not including Boquist. Maybe you wait to make sure everybody's healthy and kosher before moving forward. But yeah, I mean, I, would not hesitate if somebody gave me a good offer for Eric, Eric Gustafson. I almost said Carlson. Eric <laughs> Gustafson to go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, it doesn't have to be right away. But if Boquist is on the roster, he has to be in the lineup. You can't just have him up in the press box as your number seven defenseman. That doesn't make any sense. If he's on the Blackhawks roster. If they're healthy scratching him, I am going to go to the United Center and hit Jeremy Colladin in the nose of the newspaper. Well, this is the thing, and I've been trying to think about this. Colladin last year, if I'm just anecdotally remembering, he doesn't seem to play the this guy's a veteran, so he deserves special treatment game. I don't get that vibe from him, and I don't think, I don't know. I, I feel like he's going to play the best players. And I think it's in his best interest to play the best players, obviously. And I, I don't know, man. I, I think that from what I've seen from Boquist, and again, we're going to learn a lot more in the preseason, but I think he's for sure one of their six best defen- defensemen. I don't think there's much question about it. And uh, unless he really flounders, look, he almost made the team out of camp last year. And that was with Joel Quenville as his head coach. Yeah. I mean, he almost made the team last year. He played that well in the preseason that they said, we might not be able to send this dude down. But then they just said, you know what? Let's let's do it, and we'll figure it out next year. Well, next year is here. Let's do it and make sure that Joel can get fired. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point by you. Anyway, here's Brandon Manning. Enjoy. What? Joel didn't win with Brandon Manning back there? That's crazy. Who could who could have foreseen that? Anyway, I am frankly astonished. I know. that That's going to be – the Boquist thing is my, is my most interesting – storyline of the preseason because that's I think if if Doc is good it's not a problem if he plays you know what I mean it's not like it's going to cause them any difficulty roster wise it just means the team is better and deeper than they expected but if Boquist shines and Boquist looks really good they've got some work to do roster wise and that's going to fascinate me that that's going to be the number one story I'm watching at prospects camp and that's kind of it like, is Dylan Secura going to finally show that he can put a puck behind a goalie? It, like, I don't know. I guess no. What, what, what are you super interested in, aside from Doc, aside from Boquist? What are the stories you're sort of looking at uh, during the preseason here? Aside from Doc and Boquist, I think the usage of Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard is definitely on my list. Because I don't know if we're going to go into the season with them being a strict platoon. Maybe we are. But I'm very interested to see how they handle that situation because, I mean, it's going to be pretty clear who they're kind of leaning towards as a starter, like who's going to get the more, you know, plum assignments and games, who's going to kind of get more, you know, ice time in practice and be able to kind of take it easy during the training camp. I mean, are they just going to have these guys like fight it out tooth and nail to determine who's going to be the starter like that to me is obviously a fascinating thing. The other thing is I'm really curious to see how Jeremy Colladin kind of comes up with especially the top two forward lines, like the composition of those lines is going to be really fascinating to me. Is Brandon Saad going to end up having a top six role? Is Andrew Shaw going to have a top six role? Who's Alex DeBrincat going to skate with? Like those kind of 
questions. You're probably not going to get definitive answers necessarily. I'm sure Jeremy Colladin will play it a little bit coy with that, but you also want to give those guys a chance to kind of develop some chemistry, especially adding a couple of new guys into the mix. I'm really interested to see what he ends up doing with those top two forward lines. So between that, the goaltenders and then the Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist stuff. To me, there are a lot of really interesting storylines heading into camp. The goalie thing is interesting, and I wonder how much we'll actually learn in the preseason there because you're going to have to see Calendelia play. You'll probably see Alexis Gravel play a little bit. Um, so they've got some prospect goalies that'll get some starting time too. But I think once the season begins, that's going to be. I think it's safe to assume Crawford gets the opening game based on seniority and whatever. But if I'm Cowan, I'm just doing the hot hand thing. Whoever's playing better right now is my goalie. And until they flounder, they'll be the starter. And when they flounder, then we'll flip-flop it and, and just kind of ride it out. I think that's that's the luxury of having two really good goalies. The question is, right. like, I think Robin Leonard can handle it because he obviously chose to sign here knowing Corey Crawford was here. But this is the first time that Crawford's really had to deal with a threatening backup. I guess yeah. Ray Emery would be the closest thing, but Emery wasn't coming off like a godly year like Robin Leonard is. He was not a Vesna no. nominee, basically. And not in his prime by any means either. So this is the first time Crawford's really had to deal with this. And I'm not I don't think he's gonna freak out or throw a, a shit fit or whatever. But I think it's just it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um and this will be another good test for Cowton's, you know, uh, does he show favoritism to guys that have been here a long time, guys that are veterans, guys that have won Stanley Cups? Or does he say, screw it, we're playing the best players right now? That's going to be that that whole thing is going to be another uh, season long kind of intriguing story for me. Well, that's kind of what I meant by you're not going to have a platoon situation as you're going to end up playing the hot hand. It's not going to be, oh, well, Corey got this game, so Robin Leonard's going to get this game. Like, that's not how this should work. This should realistically work where if a guy is playing well, he plays multiple games in a row. And I, I would think that that would be how they would try to handle it. But at the same time, if you're really, really trying to figure out who the better goaltender is for the long-term good of the season, you know, between the two goalies, I could see them maybe doing that at least initially, but I thought they would maybe try to do a little bit of that in the preseason just to kind of get an idea of what they're dealing with. Yeah. Well, you know what? Another thing we get to look at uh, in the preseason is the revamped Hawks Jersey. They did it. They fixed the collars. It's a miracle. Our guy Chris at Triple Threat Sports gave me a heads up a little bit while a little while back saying, yeah, they're cutting the white cowers back to like the collarbone area. So if you haven't seen it, instead of the Pollyanna collars that they had before, the little orphan Annie, whatever you prefer, collars that they had on the Adidas jerseys since they launched, they're actually dialing back that white and black stripe to the collarbone area, and then it's just red to the NHL logo. It's not perfect. But it still looks a lot better, and I'm sure our guys at Triple Threat Sports are going to get theirs. I think they're available on the 15th at the Blackhawk store and at the training camp fest and all those things. But as far as like local retailers like Triple Threat Sports, I'm sure they'll be getting them soon. So give them a call and find out, 708-478-6090, or hit them up, Triple Threat Sports, uh, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. If you can wear it, they can make it, of course. But yeah, I'm excited about the new look jerseys. I saw them on the Hawks. 
in the prospects tournament and it is noticeably better. I would look at those sweaters, man, and those collars, and it was distracting. Like it would they're like feminine. <laughs> I'm so glad they made the change. Yeah, I wasn't overly enamored with the way it potentially looked on the uh the ro- the home jersey. I think it was like the Panini shoot that may have been that I saw Kirby Doc wearing one of them and I did not like it on the home jersey. So I'm hoping maybe it was just like a weird camera angle or maybe just like a prototype collar or something, because if that's the way it's going to look on the home jersey, I'm not a huge fan of it. Still, still kind of looks bad. It's still not great, but it's much better. I it's think not going to be just... as good as the Reebok one was, which frankly, the collar on those was perfect. Well, yeah, they should just if this is the style Adidas is going to insist on, they should just change it to flat red. And just get rid of the black and white. I know it's, you know, what they've worn for years and years and years, but I don't know. I, I, I think it looks better, but I would prefer it, I mean, at least at this point, or add laces or something. It, it's better, but it's still nowhere near perfect. At least this is one, like, if someone gave me one, I'd wear it in public. <laughs> as, opposed, <laughs> as opposed to the last one, which I was like, oh, no. No, no, no. Even at the I mean, heart, I we talked about it. I did wear the Winter Classic jersey in public. Well, yeah, that was an awesome jersey, but like it's it it didn't have a screwed up collar either, right? Well, even like I think I mentioned, did I mention this on a podcast or just on Twitter that at the Hawks convention, yeah, because we were talking about speculating that they were going to change at the Hawks convention. You can get like authentics for like seventy five bucks. And I'm like, wow, I could you know a Brandon Sod authentic if I ever do like finish my man cave is something I could frame. But I'm like, yeah, still no hard pass, hard pass yeah. on the uh, on the Pollyanna collar. But anyway, glad they're changing it. I'm glad that it's good to see that like Adidas is actually, well, I guess the optimists would say they're listening to the public, but I think the pessimists would say they're seeing that no one is buying this damn jersey, so they know they need to make a change. And it's probably closer to the pessimistic outlook, I would think. Yeah, I always side on the uh, making money aspect of it. The listening to the public thing is only a product of trying to make a dollar, which, you know, I mean, it's business. That's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. All right, why don't we take our first time out of the evening? We come back. I want to run by the uh, NHL 20 Blackhawks alumni team. There are some uh, noteworthy um, additions. And some troubling, uh, what's the opposite of addition? Uh, not, not subtraction. Omissions. Omission. Thank you. Thank you, James. That's why you are the genius you are, and I suck, as everybody knows. So we're going to take a quick time out. We will come back with a little bit on the new NHL 20 video game and a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay. How about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenni.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at six ninety five. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. James Naveau is live. Well, he's not live because it's a podcast, but he's talking to me from NBC Chicago Studios where he does his writing and he does his working. Check out his Madhouse Enforcer blog and all the great stuff James does. But it just dawned on us that we are in the 
uh, preseason of our fifth year as a podcast, which is incredible. Uh, and, and we've had two sponsors that have been with us since the beginning. That's Triple Threat Sports, who we told you about last segment, and our great friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill. 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. You've heard us talking about Marishka's for five years now, and you know the poor boy is incredible. That's what they're known for. The poor boy is their trademark, uh, I guess, flagship menu item. But literally, everything there is terrific. The steaks, the chops, the seafood, the craft beer menu, everything there is great. Go bring your family, bring your friends to Marishka's, and once you do it once, you'll go back again and again, again, they're located at 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Hit up marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They are closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you've got some time between now and Thanksgiving where they will not be closed. You can go there and you can stuff your face with poor boys and twice baked potatoes and all the awesome, awesome stuff they have to offer you at Marishka's, which is one of my favorite places and a place that James and I are both proud to call our sponsor. So thank you to Joe and his Drawler family for their support over these last five years. I honestly, like I have not had dinner yet, so now I'm hungry. We have a whole thing of nachos here if you want to come over. Yeah, sure. I'll spin on down to Homewood and come get some nachos. Yeah. All right, so before the break, uh, I mentioned the NHL 20 uh, Blackhawks alumni team. So if you're a nerd like me, um, you are already playing NHL 20 because it's available on EA Access, which is like their $4 a month subscription service, which gets you early access to games. And then you can also, like once a game has been out for a while, you get it for free. I think it's worth it, but some people don't. Anyway, um, the full game comes out on the 13th. But I got to mess around, and every team this year has alumni teams, which is great. It's really a cool thing to do. And I was like, wow, I saw that. I'm like, hopefully you could set up like playoffs where all the alumni teams can play each other. That you can absolutely do. I had a first-round series against the Red Wings. That's a good alumni team. You may be surprised to know that like Steve Eiserman and Gordy Howe and Ted Lindsay as a top line, pretty good. Somehow makes your team good. That yeah. is shocking. Yeah, shocking. Pretty solid. So, But the one funny thing about it is... They call them alumni teams, and that's for a reason, because it's made up of members of the Alumni Association, which doesn't necessarily mean best players ever. (laughs) Mm. So so here's the Hawks team, okay? Uh, Jeremy Roenick, of course. Dennis Savard, great. Chris Chelios, awesome. Uh, Now you're going to notice a small drop-off. Troy Murray, Bob Murray, Eric Daze. Bob Probert. What? Wait, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still. We're going. already dropped to Eric Eric Daze. Well, these aren't necessarily the 90 year history of the Blackhawks. We've already dropped Eric Daze. Well, these are not necessarily an order of skill, but I'm just I'm just going through. Um, okay. Okay. So Probert, uh, Tuomo Rutu, who scored my first goal. Are you flipping kidding me? Mark Bell. Oh no, you're lying. I'm not lying. Den- none this of these are lie. lies. This none is th- a fabrication. <laughs> none of these are lies. Dennis oh Hole. Dennis Hole, but not Bobby. Is Alexi Jamnoff on the team? No. I'm pissed he's not. Oh my god. Stan Makita. He's on there. Okay. Okay. Why didn't you like say him first? I told you they're not in order, man. Ugh. Tony Esposito. Okay. Glenn Hall. Yes, duh. Eddie Belfour. Yep. Keith Kearney. Man, you got some good goalies on that team. Shoot. 
Yeah. Um, Keith Kearney. Not related to Art Kearney, by the way, He's of not. Honeymooners fame. Uh, Phil Housley, who was good, but not here. Uh, Brian Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Another one in the good, but I not here. I love that you had to point that out. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Another one who was good, but not here. Doug Bobby Gilmore. Orr? Doug Gilmore. Wow. <laughs> um, Eddie Olchek. Okay. Dave Brown. Dwayne and Brent Sutter. Wow. Here's where we get to... Oh, here's where we get to crap, Bill. Well, it's going to bounce back, but I'm just reading them in the order in which I type them. Jim Cummins. Colin Frazier. Uh, worse. Jim Cummins. Oh, my God. Stu Grimson. Okay. Brian Marchment, in case you want to injure someone. Uh, Steve Thomas. He oh, of come the, on. He of the That's massive dong. Made up. Uh, made up. <laughs> no, Steve Thomas. Good old Steve. Okay, how many goals did Steve Thomas score in his career? A lot. Really? You're just too young. Steve Thomas is really good. I'll delete when this. When the hell to was he face. on the Blackhawks? For a long time. He was on there twice. He came back once and sucked. But Steve Thomas was a good player. Okay. I, he was. <laughs> I just. Okay. First of all, his uh, picture on Hockey Database is really good. Yeah. He had a 40 goal season with the Blackhawks. Okay. That was in the 80s. That's. Yeah. You were not born. Counts. Um, he played seven seasons with the Blackhawks, Jay. Seven. Yeah. He, oh, good player. God. Do you want me to delete Dude. all this where you don't know who Steve Thomas is, or should I leave it in? Just leave it in. <laughs> You're just just show- leave it in. I don't He's just care. showing your age. Okay. Dude, the guy, the guy scored 100 goals with the Blackhawks. Don't come at me like he was some legend. He's a good player. Number th- Good old number 32. Is his nickname, by the way, in Hockey Database? Legend? No. Stumpy. No. Uh, they call him Stumpy. Do, do you want to take a guess why they call him Stumpy? I'll tell you this. I'm it's go- ironic. I am going to guess it's because he had a huge penis. That is correct. Uh, Michelle Goulet is on the Blackhawks Legends team. Are you okay with that one? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I've used up all of my outrage about the phony <laughs> Steve Thomas. Michael Hanzus. Okay. What? I'm oh, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, here, here's the outrage meter just filled back up. Two-time cup champion with the Hawks? Two or one? Two, right? No, one. One. Okay. One. They acquired him in 2014, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I forget. Okay, Um, here's a guy I truly did not hear, never heard of, and this is me showing my age. John Marks? Man. Not related to John Starks? Well, they spell and pronounce their names differently. Um, <laughs> Jocelyn Lemieux. Okay, fine. Darren Pang. Okay, what? <laughs> Cliff Coral. What? You act like you had to like fill out your <laughs> roster of goaltenders. You didn't. Don't worry. There's another one. Um, oh, no. Phil Russell. No. If you say Cristobal Huey, this podcast is over. No. Uh, Gary Smith. That's the other goalie. Don't know him. Nice guy. Never heard of him. Uh, another guy who was good but not here, Adrian Acoin. He a serial killer. You'd never know. <laughs> Maybe. Adrian Coyne is on the roster. Oh, for the love of God. Uh, everyone's beloved Adam Burrish. And I'm going to <laughs> redeem your faith and say Steve Larmer, because Steve Larmer's on the team. Should be in the Hall of Fame. Should so, recapping. Recapping. Ronick Savard, Chelios, Troy Murray, Bob Murray, Eric Daze, Bob Probert, Tuomorutu, Mark Bell, Dennis Hull, not Bobby, Stan Makita, Tony Esposito, Glenn Hall, Eddie Belfort, Keith Carney, Phil Housley, Brian Campbell, Doug Gilmore, Eddie Olchek, Doug Brown, Dwayne and Brent Sutter, Jim Cummins, oh God, Stu uh, Stu Grimson, 
Brian Marchman, Steve Thomas, the fictional Steve Thomas, Michelle Goulet, Michael Hanzoos, John Marks, Jocelyn Lemieux, Cliff Coral, Phil Russell, Gary Smith, Adrian Acoin, Adam Burrish, and Steve Larmer. That is okay, your Blackhawks alumni team. Before we get to the guy that you glossed over, I do want to point out that I was correct. Hanzoos was here for the 2013 Cup, not the 2015. Was here for two seasons. Fair enough. Okay. And he, guess how many games he played in that 2013 season? The guy, it for was the Blackhawks. De- deadline he played acquisition, 11 right? Games. He was good in the playoffs, though. He had three goals. He was good. He was solid, though. Solid is a relative. You know what? Actually, he was solid. He was basically like a glacier. You're well, right. He, he was very slow. He, he hey, he came in and did what they wanted him to do. He solidified them down the middle. He won some faceoffs. You keep using that term solidified very loosely, he very did. liberally. He's a, he, look, they were a, 2013 was the best of the three cup teams. God, they were a juggernaut. They were a total year. juggernaut. They really were. Yes, and they, all they need to do is like, hey, let's just add a little depth here and see what happens. And that's what Hanzoos was, and it worked out fine. So I can't be mad about that. But so here's no, the not, way. Trust me, I'm not mad about it. But no, before I, people before people get all up in arms about this, so again, the game has to use guys who are in the Alumni Association, and they have to fill out the roster. So a lot of these guys appear on, on multiple teams. I just don't know, like last year... They had Bobby Hall and they had Tony Amante. I don't know why they don't have them this year. I don't know wh- like what happened. Maybe they're waiting to like boost them up later or have them be released midseason is like some sort of boost to the ultimate team thing. I don't know, but they were sort of glaring omissions for me. Like why these two guys were not? They were in the game last year and they're not now. I don't. I don't know. Maybe the alumni association is something different. I don't know. It's- so is it the alumni association? Is it the off ice stuff with Bobby Hall? Like, well, yeah, but then Tony Amani doesn't have any off ice stuff unless eating profusely is a off ice violation. <laughs> I can say that because I'm as bad. far as we know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. Who knows? I I would like I'd love to know like why some guys are in and out, and I would think that it's it probably just has to do with if you're going to call it alumni association. These guys have to be official members of that. And it's different to use like guys as legends and guys mm-hmm. as alumni association. So who knows? And I wonder if you like can move free agent legends. I haven't tried that yet to the alumni teams because I want to put mm-hmm. a host on there. But host is not alumni. Right. So he's technically can't. still active. Exactly. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. I look forward to the game every year. Um, I think it's a lot better this year. I'm a guy that plays it year round. So I noticed the little changes, I think, more than a lot of people do. But there's, like, actual rebound goal scored. Like, you can put a shot on that, a rebound comes up, and you score instead of it either being gobbled up by the goalie or a goal. Like, there's real, like, rebound play. The shots react differently. The goalies steer the pucks into the corners. There's a lot of, like, little things like that that I think have made a huge difference. I've only played, like, five or six games so far. But I've noticed a significant difference in the gameplay. But I don't know if anyone cares about that. If you care about that, talk to me on Twitter, and I'll talk your ear off about it. But I'm not sure the vast majority of our offense gives a offense audience gives a crap. Well, our our audience probably did take great offense to Michael Hanzus being on the Blackhawks. I just um, it was funny. I, I played one game and got shut out. And I'm like, all right, let me see who else is on the roster because I just wanted to play it quickly and get a game in. And I'm like, Rutu, Rutu's on the team, so of course I put him in. Scored well, duh. Scored my first goal of NHL 20 was scored by Tuomo Rutu. Him and Ro- him and Rodham Verbata were my guys in NHL 2K7. They 
ran roughshod over <laughs> other teams. And I would use Tomoru too as my wraparound goal specialist. Okay. Goalies could not figure out how to stop that. Well, see that it's funny. Like Verbata was a guy who on paper should be better because he's fast and he can score, but you can't like in a video game, you can't just make a guy be soft. <laughs> like if you want to take your, like, like Verbata is a guy who in real life is like scared to go into the corners. But if you're in control of that controller, you can put him in whatever corner you want. And he becomes effective all of a sudden because he uses his speed and skill. He was a he's like such a, a poster child of like, see, if you only played like your virtual self, you'd be great. <laughs> Am I the only person, by the way, who turns off penalties occasionally when I want to try to injure a guy that's pestering me? Um, I'm sure you're not the only guy, but I don't do that. I <laughs> yeah, think I told you before. Purist. I am like a I must I I will get like mad if I'm playing a game, and like there's a been a trade made. And the trade's not made in the game. I'll literally like stop the game and make the trade because it will bother me. I do enjoy the Peter Chiarelli moments where you make the trade and like the offer gets laughed out of the room in the video game because it won't let you do it. There should be like a, a Peter Chiarelli like make trade offer. Computer rejects. There should be a button that like this actually happened. Parentheses Peter Chiarelli. And the game's well, you like, used oh, to okay. be able to force trades. <laughs> yeah, you can. You still can. Okay. But there should be that, like that Peter Chiarelli mode. The Peter Chiarelli button. Yeah. They, <laughs> just turn off like <laughs> full roster control is just called Peter Chiarelli mode where you can just pull <laughs> off any ridiculous trade you want. <laughs> yeah, I'd, we, I'd be down for that. I, I think we've buried Peter Chiarelli more than any other person in the history of this show. Of this I show, wish we could, yes. Like, go I th- back and look. I would think the Edmonton version of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast probably buried him a little more. You're probably. <laughs> I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder what their podcast would be called. The oil It'd probably slick. be called "Our Jerseys Suck." We need to go back to the blue ones. Oh, I said it. Oh yeah, the oil slick. The slicky, the slicky podcast. I don't know. Oh man, that third. Remember that third jersey that was like the what was it like a piston or something that they had uh, for a year piston. or two? Yeah. Oh my god, not good. They've made some choices in Edmonton. Let me tell you that. Yes, they sure have. Uh, visual choices and on ice choices. It's just a shame that Connor McDavid's entire career is going to be wasted. He's the idiot that signed the extension, and I, I mean, the- like, granted. Like, yeah, I'd probably sign a deal if you paid me $14 million a year, but you do have to live in Edmonton. Like, there probably had to be, like, a premium paid for that. Yeah, but you know who else would have paid you that money? Literally everybody. Exactly. Literally everybody. Okay, what was... Was that the max contract when he signed it? I think so. Well, he said he was the highest paid player at the time. Well, no, I meant, like, literally there is a CBA-defined max. I believe he was, yes. Okay. I didn't know we were going to get into Oilers talk. if it talk. wasn't, that is a travesty. Oh, I mean, he should still be. He should just have in his contract, like, whenever the highest thing is, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah. of salaries and uh, salary cap hits, I didn't realize how many teams are pretty close up against the cap to, like, start training camp. Like, we're... I'm counting right now. Sorry, this is really dramatic. There are 14 teams within $3 million of the salary cap ceiling. Wow. That is that seems high. And if you want to adjust that to $5 million, it is 17 teams. $5 million is pretty close, though. Like for o- a... Over half the league is within $5 million of the salary cap ceiling. Who is the farthest away from the cap ceiling right now? The furthest away from the cap yes, ceiling currently. Me. Take a guess. I don't know. Arizona. 
Uh, no, actually, Arizona has the sixth highest cap hit right now. Hmm. Remember, they just signed a bunch of like yeah, new contracts true. and yeah, did yeah, yeah. a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. They, and they right. only have 21 con- players on their current roster. Oh. They only have 200,000 in cap space. Can I guess who this is? Columbus. Yes. Columbus has the worst, yes. Yeah, because they, they lost everybody. They <laughs> edge Colorado. That's Colorado terrifying. is the second lowest cap hit in the NHL right now. And one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Uh-oh. Stupid, as stupid as it is, yes. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm flabbergasted by that. By the way, the Toronto Maple Leafs do currently have the highest projected cap hit because they, the way cap friendly kind of is right now, they have a bunch of guys who ultimately won't be on the roster, but I just thought that was interesting. The thing I teased earlier in the show was the second highest projected cap hit in the NHL, and it kind of surprised me who it belonged to. Who's that? It's the Carolina Hurricanes. Hmm. They have they have, according to Cap Friendly, twenty four players on their roster right now. They have eighty three million plus in salaries handed out because you got to think they have Sebastian Ajo, eight point four million bucks. They've got Tabo Teravainen, a five point four million dollar deal. They've got him signed to now. They've got Jakob Slavin at five point three million. They've got Dougie Hamilton. There's talk they're going to try to trade. Oh, Jake Gardiner. I forgot about him. He's got a $4 million cap hit. Jake Gardner? So Jake Gardner, sorry. <laughs> you overcomplicated yeah, I always do the that. name there. I always <laughs> say it phonetically. I don't know why I do it. Jake like, Gardiner. It's involuntary. Yeah, it's involuntary, man. It, sh- it should be Jake Gardiner, damn it. That's exactly right. I put it on my shoes yeah. like Mike North. There you go. See, I just I made a trend, Jake. You come to Chicago and you do that. What? That that's why they've been talking about maybe trading Justin Falk because they're really hard up against the salary cap right now after all the extensions they've handed out. They've been talking about that forever. It seems like he's trading only got Justin one Falk. year left on his deal, so it's either going to be a uh, poop or get off the pot here in a minute for them. Yeah, they better. Well, and the other the other interesting thing is Toronto is already so high and they've got to sign Mitch Marner somehow. Okay, I don't know how you're going to... I just, I love the fact that every offseason now, Toronto goes through this whole song and dance about needing to sign freaking free agents. I know. Well, they finally got, like, legit good dudes that they've drafted and developed. Yeah. And you need to find a way to get them signed. Well, you've got William Nylander with a $7 million contract. You've got Austin Matthews and John Tavares both making north of $11 bucks. Like, that, that team... You want to talk about a team that's handed out a lot of salary lately. That Toronto team certainly has. By the way, also still retain $1.2 million from the Phil Kessel trade. Just mm. thought I'd throw that in there. Interesting. I, I just, you know, I they need more. They, they're not good enough to win a cup without Marner. I don't think they are. Like, maybe they're not good enough to win it with him. I'm about to say, are they good enough to win a cup with Marner? Well, so that's the thing. Like, we talk about just kind of bringing it back to the Hawks a little bit. Like, as much as people want to lampoon Stan Bowman, he kept the team competitive for a long time with a lot of big contracts on the books. And yeah, he has screwed some things up. But like, being able to keep these guys around is a challenge, you know. Yeah. And and who knows? Like, if Hosa stays healthy, who knows what this team looks like now? Because then they could be in, like, actual kind of hell. Because who knows, even if Hosa had not had, you know, the rash situation, what kind of player he would be today. But I don't It's just, it's just, the Leafs just show you it's just not that easy. It's it's not, it's not easy to keep 
all the guys you draft and develop and to make the right choices for the most part. I think Stan, at least early on, like he chose Jalmerson over Niemi, and that was the right thing to do. And, you know, I think he's made good decisions more often than not, but lately it's been bad with the Seabrook yeah. thing and what and trading table and all that stuff. But and like I said, he's made some redemptive moves lately with the Strom and Caligula, <laughs> the Kajula. I, I, I still do it in, in unintentionally, but I think about it when I do it. Um, those trades kind of were a little, they redeemed him a little bit, but yeah, he still got a lot of work to do to dig himself out of the hole that he basically left the team in. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's going to be, I'm really excited for the preseason. I do have a listener question, but we first, we got to tell our friends about our friends. That was awkward and bad at rabid brewing in Homewood, Illinois. They are moving up in the world. My friends, they were, they are going to make some noise next calendar year they're starting to uh can their own beers starting to sell places other than their tap room so keep your eye out for rabbit brewing and tap rooms in year you might see it you might be able to buy rabbit brewing even if you're not close to homewood and if you're not close and it's not in your tap room come on out there's a lot of really good breweries around and near homewood uh and rabbit the best of all of them so check them out we need to have another drinking event at uh rabbit we do sure. and I, I you know it's funny we talk about how hockey seasons like sort of snuck up on us. Usually we have like a season opening thing sort of lined up and we don't yet. So hopefully we can make something happen quickly. I don't know if it'll be a rabbit or somewhere else, but go visit our friends Tobias and Ray. They run the place. They run it with love. They are the mad scientists behind the genius craft ales at rabbit brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend rabbit brewing in Homewood, Illinois and James, before we get to our uh, email of the show, I want to assure you, Steve Thomas is real. Michael Hanzus was solid, and Jim Cummins should never be mentioned in any way, shape, or form ever again. Are you ready for the email of the show? Well, now you've just you know deflated my spirit. So sure, this can only go really well. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com, the barbecue, the Mexican, the Cajun fair. It's all amazing. Go get some wings. Go get a burger. Whatever you want. Chuck's has it, and it's amazing. Uh, I know it sounds like we speak in hyperbole on the show and say all these things are great. All these things are amazing, but we only have advertisers that we believe in. It's not just any Tom, Dick and Harry that wants to buy advertising on our show. We give it to them. No, it's a place that we know our listeners are going to like. And Chuck's is amazing. Everyone that goes there loves it. A couple of menu items. I love the Saturday special is the coach needed to That will be my deathbed meal. That will be my last meal. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. The barbecue nachos are absolutely outstanding. Uh, the Chicago wings, they're just incredible buffalo wings. They just changed the name to Chicago, my friend, because screw buffalo, quite frankly. Um, and just, you know, so many things. The cobblers for dessert, it's like a hot mixed berry pie with ice cream on it. Just insane. They've got 120-plus craft beers. Anything you like, anything you want, Chuck's is going to have it. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Everyone will find something they like there. Okay. Chuckscafe.com. Burbank Darien. Do it. Look up the specials. All that good stuff. Email of the show is actually a tweet from Steve Esrig. 
Steve said, is there any way to burn kit or Strom get a new deal before the Hawks can't afford them? Keep up the good work on the pods. Side note, the best candy combo is Reese's and Kit Kat eat at the same time. Oh, he's double podcasting me. I like That's that. That's an excellent idea, first of all. <laughs> no, no, I kind of want to try that. Yeah. Um, Second of all, I, I was a little bit overly sarcastic about the message of the show. I do appreciate all of the questions that we get, even the ones that I just go, okay, that was designed to irritate uh, ruffle my feathers a little bit. But I do cherry Steve's pick good, them. Steve's a good guy. Yeah. Steve's a, a guy I've interacted with quite a bit on social media. I love having him as a listener. Great guy, Steve is. And I will say, to answer your question, Strom, slight chance to bring it 0.0%. Yeah, he's getting big money. And they know that. I think the Strom thing, that could be, sort of looking back on it, why they went with Doc. Because they might know that if they're going to bring Debrinkit back for what he's worth and what he's asking, that Strom might be a luxury they can't afford. We definitely talked about that when they drafted Kirby Doc, too. Yeah, but just when you look at the whole package... Of, you know, big, but not overly physical. Um, Doc is definitely faster than Strom, but their, mm-hmm. skill, their skill packages are similar. They're similar players. I think that Doc will be better than Strom when it's all said and done. But th- I think when we were all sort of scratching our heads, like, why would they take a center here? Byram seemed like such a sure thing. It makes some sense that they could be looking ahead to potentially losing Dylan Strom. And uh, now just being able to, you know, pencil in Kirby Doc as that number two center for the next eight to ten years, um, that that's going to play a role. And I think, would you be? Let's put put this way: put a percentage chance that both Strom and DeBrinket are Blackhawks on September eighth, twenty twenty. I'm going to put it at twenty five percent. I'm going to say that that scenario only comes into play if Strom maybe has a bit of a down year compared to what he was his first season with the Blackhawks. So like a 55 to 60 point guy, I think there's at least a chance they could fit them both under the cap, but I still, I'm not entirely like sold on that idea. So I'd probably put it about 25%. You're losing Crawford for sure. I mean, or a goalie, but I I think it's safe to say they're not. You're losing one of them for sure. And I'm guessing it's going to be Crawford or at least his cap hit. If you bring him back, it's going to be for dirt cheap, maybe a million, two million bucks or whatever. Um, is that could, do you get Strom done for six? If he has another year like last year, where he's close to a I don't point think he per gets game, done for six then I don't think so either. That's the thing. Like, so what's the? I guess maybe the better question is, where's your drop dead point with Dylan Strom? Like, how high are you willing to go? Like you said, I mean, he's almost a. If Kirby Doc is what we think he is, like Strom is almost an asset that you just can't afford to have based on the other salaries that are on your roster. Like maybe you can trade Brandon Saad and potentially fit that in. I mean, he is due six million this season and next season, but he is a free agent after next season. So maybe you can trade him in the offseason to clear a little bit of room. But once you get to that point, though, with a player that you you have to sign them to a new restricted free agent deal. You're seeing what's happened with that with the Toronto Maple Leafs. When they have you over the barrel, they know it. And they will go out and they will make you sign them to that big money deal because they know they can get it potentially elsewhere. Yeah, the days of the the team-friendly bridge deal seem to be over. 
especially for especially the higher level players. Especially with the CBA coming out. Yeah. Yep. That's true. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But you're right. If you can move outside, that solves a problem. And I think if you want to look at, like, look, are we looking to reopen this window? Are we hoping that, you know, Doc, Strom, DeBrinkett, Boquist, and whoever else they develop over the next three, four years becomes another cup contender? They, If that's the case, if they're truly looking to, you know, five, six years down the road, maybe not even that far, four or five years down the road, I think Strom's got to be part of these things. It's 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 not easy to find a guy with the pedigree he has, with the you know p- picked as high as he was, and to a guy who's put together a season like he has last year. I don't know if I can let a guy that young go that quickly, and you might have to swallow hard. And I don't, maybe trading Brandon Sides not swallowing hard, but you've got to make that deal if it means keeping Strom around. I, I think you've got to do your best to make it happen. Now you can't pay him ten million or nine million. But if you can get him for seven and a half, eight, I think you you try to find a way to do it and you figure out the rest later. Because I think having, because uh, look, Taves has how many years left realistically, right? He'll play out the contract and then probably retire, I would imagine. Um, he has so, three years left after this year. Yeah, so you need Doc and Strom at that point to be ready to be, I think you need Doc at that point, three years, four years from now, to be a number one center. And if if he truly is a legit number one center, not like a uh, you know he's probably better as a two, but he's he's fine as a one. No, like a legit all star number one, no question center, like Jonathan Taze was for his whole career so far. Having Strom as part of that, I think keeps that window open a little bit for you. You've got to, I think you got to try to find a way within reason, but you've got to try to find a way to have Dylan Strom be part of things. Yeah, well, you start talking about seven and a half, eight million bucks, even if you lose that side contract and even if you end up letting Corey Crawford go, you still got to sign somebody to play goaltender because I don't think you're going to get Colin Delia to be your starting goaltender for a million and a half. I don't think that's going to happen. So I just I still think that even in that scenario, it's still going to be a really tight squeeze if you can't get Strom for anything under seven million bucks. Yeah, well, look, if you want to bring Leonard back, it's going to cost you more than five. If he has the sort of year that's going to make you want to bring him back, which is probably not as great as last year, but you're probably giving him at least seven. That'd yeah, be my guess. I would think that's right. I don't know, man. I'm telling you, this is the most interested I've been in a Hawk season in a long time, just because there's so many question marks. Of like, what's going to happen is like we started the show. Is Doc going to make the team? Is Bolkus going to force them to make a trade? Is Dabrinka going to sign here? And what's it going to cost? What about Strom? What about the goalies? There are so many questions to be answered this year. And frankly, I can't wait for it to get started. And now that we are a week away from the actual puck dropping and actual games being played, we're going to be around a lot more (laughs) than we were over the last month or two. So starting on Sunday, by the way, we do need to mention that before you start wrapping up, Jay. Yeah, Sunday, we're going to be out at the uh, Blackhawks training camp festival. The first person to say hello to me or James and mention this message on the pod. Should we have a code word? Like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) What should our code word be? Like, uh, Bo Stink. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you know? But no, here it is. The, the code like, word. You know what it should be? Stumpy. Thomas. Stumpy. The code word is Stumpy. So if you stumpy, listen to this, we got it. That yep. means you listen to this podcast start to finish. You came up to us and said, "Hey Jay, hey James, Stumpy, you're going to get a Madhouse Podcast Prize Pack, which is a T-shirt 
a sticker and some other fun stuff I find laying around my house, like bobbleheads or whatever, uh, and we'll send it out to you. So the first guy to recognize me or James and come up to us and say the word Stumpy, as long as we're not at the urinal, you're going to win a prize pack. Sound good? Yeah, you're at the urinal, you might get a little bit of an additional prize by accident. Whoa. That's a promise from James, not from me. <laughs> anyway, with that, let's wrap things up. I want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And, of course, Chuck Southern Conference Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com for their specials and all the menu uh, info you need. Until next time, Jay Zawoski from my partner, James Navo. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.